Welcome to the Custard Powder Plot, episode four, performed and written by Christine Marshall. After the slut red nails and the purple hair roots through the cat flap debacle, I really believe that that was that. I know she's my boss, but BS, secret goal for Big Sylvia, must have had enough of me by now. I mean, the water pressure on those roots of hers alone was enough for an old spot of sacking. Must have been a shock. In a way, I had to admire how she held fast to the sides of that cat flap. It must have been like swimming against the tide. I'd have sacked me off if I'd have been her. But that was the calibre of the woman when all said and done, and that's why she was the one whose scalp was in the cat flap, and I was the one wearing the Christmas pudding tea cosy getting worse for wear. I came home short of a couple of felt hollyberries, but being herbaceous borders, I'm not getting those back. But credit where it's due. Say what you want, but hindsight's for the future when all's said and done. I did my best under very restricted headgear, the spout hole of a tea cosy is hardly a match for night vision goggles. You know what I'm going to say, though, don't you? Mm. Once again, the phone rings and up the scale of nervous indigestion I go. It isn't a Thursday, so it's no chance it's Celia Gimlet going on about that bloke I whacked on the back of the leg with the tomato cane. I picked up the receiver and caught a glimpse of myself in the hall mirror. Not good. One of the chickens had got out. I looked like I'd been pulled through a hedge backwards, like what I did with the chicken, actually. She was making a break for it to the Begonia House duplexes. They'd have been shot to the warden at some point. She was a rescue chicken and all, not an ounce of gratitude from that, madam. I've looked at myself many a time in that mirror when I've been on the phone. I've pulled fat bacon at Celia Gimlet every time she starts on about her billy. We've gone from... Brings her a cup of tea to used to bring me a cup of tea every single morning for years. As the kids say, whatever. Uh, Billy, never had a kind word for him when he was breathing. But now he's top of the hip parade just under Sir Bruce Forsyth. Now he's dead. Most of my pals love the husbands more now they're dead. The main drawback being that they won't get a cup of tea in bed now. They'd have to fetch it themselves. But this time, there's no fat bacon. I look in the mirror and I see myself nodding slowly as I hear and find myself mouthing the inevitable words manufactured since 1835 and loved by generations. And I listen. Looks like that this is the big one, the big test, which will get me into the inner circle or put me out in the cold. It's made crystal clear. If I mess up, I'm out, phone down. I make myself a cup of slippery elm Look it up, it's not as bad as it sounds, and I have a think. Before I set out, I am to receive full instructions in the post. If the envelope doesn't arrive, then the mission is off. It came the next day. It was sticking half in, half out of my letterbox. That bloody postman, and it was soaked with rain. I'm going to report him one day. I didn't recognise the writing, but I could see a bit of powder on the back, so I gave it a wipe put the envelope under the poof and went out and put our Jeff's old spot welding mask on. This is something I have made a habit of since Margaret Thatcher's day. Powder then, as it is now, can be a very dangerous thing through the post. I wasn't that keen on Margaret Thatcher, but she suited protective gear. 
Did you ever see her on that tank? Not that many can carry off a tank, credit where it's due. I noticed that the pen used had been changed twice and my postcode was in pencil. That was strange. I put my wellies on. Well, if everyone had their own, they were our just by rights. And I carried the envelope into the back garden. You see, I am a bit more cautious for negative events ever since that embarrassing skid on the tile floor of the ladies' changing room at the bats. I landed up on the floor in the shape of a steeplechaser, frozen in time. I'm not going to sue. I'll be dead and buried by the time the council get round to sorting that floor. I got a washing up bowl of water and a bucket of sand on standby. My gesture to health and safety that everyone's always going on about. And I started to open the envelope with caution. Then I thought, point of fact, how do they know my address? If they have my address, then they know where I live. How did they get to know that? But then I thought, whichever way you peel it, Queenie, it's too late for asking questions now. I looked into the wet envelope. No cover letter, just one sheet of very wet ink running paper and a few words of instruction not easy to read. Instructions like, put clothes in the bag provided, something something about tins in the sink, take a shower. What, what on earth? Take a shower. As I was reading the words, all bottles should be washed, a gust of wind took it out of my hand and flung it yon and beyond to the four corners of the back garden and finally landing it in the back of the hen run. I made my way into the hen run as fast as I could under the limitations of our Jeff's wellies, especially as my left foot was now in the straight bit, with the foot bit flapping like a cod on the quayside of Whitby. I know those hens of old. They'll eat anything that isn't tied down. So by the time I'd undone Jeff's homemade wire coat hanger security system on the gate latch, those beggars had had a good old go at the notes on the envelope. I put everything up as fast as I could and then I noticed that some of it had made a nosedive into the bowl of health and safety water and there was now doing backstroke. Maybe I'm not cut out for espionage. That night, while I was having my tea, I dried out what was left of the paperwork on my maiden in front of the gas fire and then ironed it. By then, like the kids would say, whatever, best I can do. On the day in question, I thought, right, Q, that's my secret code for Queenie. This is you. Consolidate. What have you got? Right. You've got the time, date, location, and you have to get on with it. So I drove to BS's, parked away from the location and sauntered nonchalantly as you can in Wellies to the address. Not a soul about. The key was under the what now reads, which I interpreted as under the side door mat. I thought, be logical, Queenie. Tick off what you can. I found the key. Tick. And I was in the property. Tick. Apparently, I was to take delivery of something called an avocado order. Now, I, for one, have never got on with avocados. I'm no good with brassicas if anyone had their own. But avocados, I've never really understood them. And why would BS want so many that they've got to come by the van load? From what I could make out from the sheet, it went on to tell me to have a shower and take my clothes off and put them in a bag. But I wouldn't have a shower with the clothes on, would I? I looked round, there was a bag. So that's what I did. I took everything off and went and found the shower. Oh, it's very nice. It's a big shower with lovely hot water, nice and hot. I took a bit of a liberty and borrowed a shower cap because the tea cosy wouldn't have been able to take it. 
What might be yes? Secret cover Sylvia. Big Sylvia had left everything out ready for me. Shower jelly, shampoo, towels. Look like BS, secret call for Big Sylvia. Must be sure to nothing apart from avocados. She'd even put out a makeup bag, which I had to do out for a treat. I don't normally wear makeup, but I thought I'll have a go. Be rude not to. I've never really noticed my eyebrows much before, but on the side, she'd put a kit out, an eyebrow kit thing. I applied it as directed, but I couldn't see any difference or improvement, really. Some people do have more money than sense. I wasn't sure if she'd get dressed, but then I read, wash all tins, so I thought, no point in getting dressed. I put a big towel around me and I set off on the job. Mind not to question why. Maybe BS, secret code for Sylvia, was worried about fingerprints, I suppose. So I put some rubber gloves on, there'd be no sign of my dabs on anything, and I opened a cupboard. BS, secret code for Big Sylvia, had a lot of tins. I thought, I'm not taking them one at a time. So I showed initiative. I filled all the sinks I came across and the bath and I put all the tins I could in there. I was quite comfortable working in the towel. It came off twice, but then I used a clothes peg to keep it all together at the top. Although going up and down the stairs was a bit much. Tins are heavy and bulk, you know. I got them in the bath and was just coming down the stairs for the last time when the doorbell went. I'd nearly forgotten the avocado delivery. I asked for the code, manufactured since 1835 and loved by generations, through the letterbox. But the bloke didn't seem to understand. He just said he was in a rush. He had others to see to. And could I hurry up and open the door, please? By the time I'd had to think and open the door, he was walking away. He'd left four boxes on the step. And it wasn't only avocados, it was all sorts of stuff. I didn't even know that men were involved in Operation Custard Powder. I shouted to him, to come back, said, I want to check your credentials. But he took one look at me, stood stock still for a couple of seconds, then jumped straight into his van, crunched the gear into at least third and took off. Idiot. He'd even spelled avocado wrong on the side of his van. How could he be an agent if he couldn't even spell avocado? I dragged the boxes into the hall and went up to start drying the tins in the bathroom and to get them back into BS's cupboards as soon as. It was in the bathroom that I noticed two more things. One, that every single label from around every single tin that BS owned was now floating in the less hot and less sooty water. And two, I could clearly see from one staggeringly shocking glimpse of myself in the medicine cabin that I had somehow been transformed into a very underdressed extra in an andram performance of the Mikado. That eyebrow stuff, it obviously needed a bit of time to take and uh, I had put on a second layer. As it turned out, just above the first. The best way that I could describe it was like four thick brown skid marks right across my forehead. And the top left skid mark was the straw that broke the camel's back and made me stink. Enough. Abort mission. Abort. Abort. I pulled the plug out of the bath and I pulled the plug out of my part in Operation Custard Powder. I got dressed. 
I left BS's home as quietly as I could. I shut the front door and left the key under the mat. I left the tins in the bath. I left the labels blocking the various plug holes and the beauty products scattered as they had landed. I left the piece of tattered instruction sheet and envelope behind the clock. I did consider eating them like a proper undercover agent would, but then I had no appetite for paper. I couldn't have stomached it. I left avocado boxes in the hall, the bath towel over the banister, and I drove home. Parked the car, left a message for Celia Gimlet to keep an eye on things, fed the chickens, picked up my passport, and went to our Jeff's. Jeff lives in a mobile home. He prefers them to real ones. He's got them all over the shop. Well, one on the south coast and another one in real. He rents the south coast one out most of the time. Bit of an income, even if it is seasonal. I knew that the consequences of my actions and dabbling into black market espionage was bound to catch up sooner or later, but not today, they weren't. And they'd have to find me first. So I made my escape to the secret location, one of Jeff's mobile homes, which just happens to be on a ley line between Wigan and Lee. I abandoned the car by the hen house and went into hiding. All that I had with me was a bag for life full of random goodness knows what, which I grabbed on the hoof. And then that day's eggs from the chickens. I was still wearing Jeff's wellies and unbeknownst until I landed at Jeff's BS's shower cap and of course those four quite striking Ricardo eyebrows. But no one on the bus seemed to mind. The driver took one look at me and let me up and fare, which was fair enough when I think about it. I first took everything to Jeff and he said, never mind, Queenie. I could stay there as long as I wanted and that he'd cook our tea for us. He made shepherd's pie and apple pie. I made the custard, proper custard with eggs. Custard, ah, oh, you can't beat it. Thank you for listening to the Custard Powder Plot, written and performed by Christine Marshall, produced and directed by Karis Kaiser. This podcast was recorded in a socially distant way across the internet and is available on all good listening platforms. If you've enjoyed this series, please like, subscribe and share.